You're listening to the U.S. Glass Magazine's special daily podcast, Glass Industry Update, The Coronavirus. I'm your podcast moderator, Chris Bunn. This podcast is designed to bring you the latest industry news surrounding the business disruptions in our industry caused by the worldwide pandemic. Be sure to check in daily for a new podcast with the latest updates. And now I'll turn it over to Deb Levy, publisher of U.S. Glass, who will give you an update and introduce our special guest. Thanks, Chris, and welcome everyone to our second podcast. We had a tremendous response to yesterday's first one, and thanks to everybody for their kind comments. And we're ready to get back to it today and bring you the latest industry news surrounding the COVID-19 pandemic. Of course, the biggest news was the passage overnight by the Congress of a $2 trillion stimulus package in response to the virus outbreak. We will be analyzing uh, what Congress passed and providing a full uh, detailed analysis in our usgnn.com daily newsletter this afternoon. So be sure to check back for that. And of course, uh, there's also a lot of other information out there from many news sources on that particular item. But about the glass industry, there's not too many. And let's get started with the news since yesterday. Uh, We've heard from a number of companies about what they're doing in light of the pandemic. Strybuck, for example, is open and all orders are being shipped. The company has been classified as a life-sustaining business, and Tom Newell there says that all the sales department personnel are working, and then the counter is open, though only for will-call orders that have been called in and paid for first. Johnson Chen, general manager of Gamco Corporation, which is located in Flushing, New York, that's actually in New York City, reports that the company is open as an essential business and is providing services. Chen says Gamco's primary supply chains have not been affected and it will alert customers if they are. New Jersey company Julius Blum and Company is closed this week. The company is responding by email and asks that you communicate that way with them as well. Class Crafters Inc., another New Jersey company, is also closed and its manufacturing and installation operations are temporarily suspended. The company is responding to emails and suggests that you send them to sales at glasscraftersinc.com. That's sales at glasscraftersinc.com. Well-known mega glass fabricator GGI is also operational. Vice President of Sales and Marketing Brad Thurman says its drivers are still delivering and the company's will call is open, according to a post on his social media dated March 17th. New Jersey and Pennsylvania have in place some of the tightest shutdown orders in the country, making it more challenging for companies headquartered there. For example, Pennsylvania company Solar Innovations has received partial exemption, though, as an essential business and is operating with limited manufacturing staff on-site and remote office workers. Roto Frank of Connecticut is considered exempt and says it is operating with a business-as-usual procedure in place for now. And over in Wisconsin, Major Industries reports its offices are open and it is operating normally. This report was issued before Governor Evers there issued a safe-at-home order that started and went into effect at midnight, so we will have to see how well Wisconsin industry members are faring in light of that today. This concern about the health and well-being of customers is echoed by Barbara Murphy of Woods Power Grip, where the beautiful blue Big Sky State of Montana has not escaped it. 
Even though it is business and resides in a state that has a smaller population, Woods is still very much affected because of the global nature of its business. Woods is currently keeping normal work hours at the manufacturing plant and has implemented cleaning practices and adherence to CDC guidelines. Brenda Dealey, CEO of Banner Solutions, which encompasses Midwest wholesale hardware and Akron hardware, says all Banner Solutions facilities are fully operational as well. And Jessica Metz of Erdman says her company is open and its hours have not changed. They've put technician travel on hold, though, so the techs currently are working with customers remotely. Some publicly traded companies are starting to weigh in on how the pandemic is affecting their financial position. Saint-Gobain said Monday that its 2020 guidance isn't valid anymore due to the virus outbreak. The French manufacturer, which makes glass and a variety of other construction materials, will defer all possible projects of its own in coming months and reduce its capital budget by more than $214 million U.S. Saint-Gobain says it has a very solid financial position and the necessary cash and financing in place to cope with the consequences of the pandemic. The pandemic has brought out a lot of news from a lot of different companies. One other thing it's brought out is a lot of new internet scams and cyber crooks. So let's talk for a moment about some of the precautions that businesses need to take during this time when online crime is flourishing. And we're pleased to have with us today Brian Hovey. Brian is the web developer for our parent company, Key Media and Research. And even though that's Brian's title, he does a whole lot more than that. He keeps us uh, as safe as we can be from cyber pirates and criminals who are out there. And we wanted to talk with Brian today because the increase of everyone working at home and the whole... uh, coronavirus issue we are all dealing with has has brought an uh, influx in people who are trying to steal your information, data, and money. And so I just wanted to welcome Brian. Brian, welcome uh, to our podcast. Uh, thank you, Deb. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I really appreciate That's- it. Great to have you. And I wanted to remind everyone that we are also fortunate to have our video and now podcast producer, Chris Bunn, with us. Chris is the one that makes everything we do look just so amazing in terms of live action and and, um, audio feed. Chris, thanks for being here. Thank you, Deb. I'm glad to be here. So, Brian, let's start. You can tell me if I'm crazy or not. But I feel like I've seen an incredible influx in the amount of phony emails and phishing sca- uh, scams that I've seen over the last few days. Do you think you think I'm just imagining that? Uh, no, absolutely not. Uh, the The sad fact of this world is in this day and age, uh, anytime there's a tragedy like this, like a Hurricane Katrina or 9-11 or, or anything like that, these people just come out of the woodwork looking to take advantage of folks. It's unfortunate. Well, I guess the idea that most people are work, a lot of people are working from home, so the idea of getting a communication from their bank or their credit card company or one of their vendors uh, is not that un- unusual in their mind. I, it's been my experience. Uh, I do a lot of, uh, well, I pretty much do all of my banking online and I regularly get communications from my banks informing me that they will never email me, uh, about something urgent or important. Um, they'll send me offers for, uh, 
loan rates or, or things like that, but they will never email me about my account. So uh, that's something to definitely keep in mind. Good to know. They won't. The IRS won't. Your credit card company might, but um, how, how do you make sure that what you're getting is a legitimate communication? Um, there's a lot of things you can tell from, from looking at an email. Um, more often than not, if you see um, a from address that looks very suspect, um, they can spoof them, but um, a lot of times it'll be something that just looks really off. Um, another thing to look for is in the to address, uh, sometimes they will send it to a generic address that is to a domain that they are sending from. So, for example, um, let's say in the to field, it says banking at creditcards.com. So, you know, right off the bat that that's not your email address. And what they've done is they're using that to address to mask uh, other addresses in the in the BCC field, where most likely there are tons of other email addresses receiving the same message. Um, mm -hmm. And one other good thing to look for is normally these emails and these messages will come with links in the body. Um, and it'll say click here. And if you mouse over it, a little window will appear and it will show you what the actual underlying link is. And that's another good way to, to see that, yes, this link is, in fact, definitely not going to a legitimate website. I know that Brian, over the years, has been very kind to our staff here. And whenever we have questions, we can send him an email. And I would say about 99% of the time, Brian, you will email me back and say, yeah, that's a bad one. Don't open it up. Um, I was going to say, uh, on that same note, Deb, uh, talking about, your employees and um, what they need to look out for. What kind, what kind of things do you do to help inform uh, your own staff at your company about what to look out for and how they need to protect themselves? Well, that's a really good question. And I don't know that I'm an expert to answer it, but maybe between Brian and I, we can try. Um, I know that some of the things we do sort of on the management level are we include right in our employee policy manual a cyber, man, a cyber policy so that from day one, our new team members know what's expected of them. You know, everything from not downloading your own programs onto your desktop or server without permission, things that can and can't be done. Um, we say right in there that we don't mind if our employees um, surf the web during their lunch times. We only ask that they stay off of, you know, nefarious and uh, sites and things like that. But we also uh, also put a little primer in there about what's important, what's not. And then, you know, we all get into day to day. It's it's sort of like instruction safety. How many times have we seen people involved in accidents where they have been trained properly, they know the right thing to do, and then they just decided that day that they weren't going to tie off or put the harness on or do something for a minute and it results in an accident or even worse, a death. So we have to reinforce that message uh, over and over again. And we try to have something about every six months that does that. But our secret weapon is Brian. Brian, do you want to let people know what you do to educate the staff on those types of things? Uh, well, first of all, I'd just like to say that those policies that you that you and we have in place are, are terrific. They're great policies and, and policies that all companies should have. Um, 
my my key thing with this is a lot of times people will get an email and a lot of times these these emails that are suspect will uh, try to put forth some type of uh, an essence of urgency that it's something that you need to address right away or, or there's going to be negative consequences. Um, and what people need to really keep in mind is that, you know what, if you delete this email, the chances are about 99.9% that nothing bad is going to happen. Mm -hmm. If something was that urgent, somebody is not going to send you an email. They're going to call you um, about it. So Good point. that's my, my biggest thing is that, that, you know, people by just human nature, you, you, you get a message and you think, Oh my goodness, I need to, to take some type of action with this. And that's not the case. You know, it's funny too, Brian, that one of the other things that I could uh, think would increase right now is the scam that's going around whereby, uh, and we've covered this in U.S. Glass Magazine extensively, but whereby there's a public project going on. So let's say uh, a town has commissioned a new school and it's been publicized, you know, the town council meetings are published. People know who the contractor is doing the job. They know when their progress payments are due, etc. And then an email comes in from an address that looks like it's from the general contractor. And it's got an invoice attached to it for the right amount. Or it's just an email that says, you know, in light of everything going on with the virus, please, you know, wire transfer the payment to this account instead. Uh, one of our neighboring counties here lost over $400,000 that way mm. a couple of months ago. And I heard about a major um, general contractor who lost a fair amount of money recently. And um, the Shark Tank lady, Barbara Cochran, I think I just read that she lost about $330,000 when her assistant was uh, spoofed that way with an address that she thought was right. I guess I guess Barbara Cochran might have $330,000 in her checkbook, but her assistant was um, sent it to the wrong place, and, and she's out the money. But don't quote me on the amount, but it was a pretty sizable amount. So those are all things to protect against, too, I would think, Brian. Yeah, and also um, I recently heard about a scam that's going around. Um, of course, most people are aware now that we are in the midst of a a census year and apparently there's a message being circulated that if you click on this link and uh, fill out your census survey uh, you can receive some type of cash award and this is also um, a big scam and people need to watch out for it right good point and and i would just mention one other thing and that is that although you don't want anyone on your team to get in the situation You also don't want to make it so um, punitive toward them if they do that they don't want to tell you because, you know, we have pretty open policy here. If you think you clicked on a link that was bad, we'd rather you tell us because then Brian gets to work with our IT consultants to make sure that we're protected or to hopefully make sure we're protected. I have to keep my fingers crossed on that because you really never know um, what's lurking out there. So. Well, going back to um, just real quickly, um, you were talking about receiving invoices. And a lot of times you'll see those types of messages sent with an attachment. And believe it or not, you may see something as harmless looking as a a Microsoft Word document. But those documents, those files can contain scripts, 
and macros that can run on your computer and actually install malware and, and, and all kinds of just terrible stuff. So you really, really need to be diligent when you're, when you're looking at attachments with emails. That's a really good point, Brian. Chris, did you have anything else to, to ask or add for, for our session here today? Well, Brian, did you have any more uh, specific tips or tricks to scout some of these scams? Um, you know, my, my, probably my biggest, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A suggestion is to look at the email first. If, if it's something that you're not expecting or if it looks too good to be true, chances are it's not meant for you and it's, and it is too good to be true. Um, generally right away, you could look at something and, and tell, um, some of them are, are, you know, they're getting more clever. And some of them are a little bit harder to tell, but generally the vast majority of the ones I've seen um, after just some careful uh, scrutinizing of the message, you can, you can tell that it's not legitimate. Right. And of course, all this assumes that you have the appropriate virus protection, firewalls, other things that you should have in place as well, I'm guessing. And I guess one other quick suggestion, if you do receive one of these messages, I would say um, it's probably not a good idea to forward it on to somebody. (laughs) You might want to just go and get somebody to come to your system and take a look at it. um, So have I been doing that wrong all these years, Brian? (laughs) Well, no, the ones that you um, send along usually are just links or something, but particularly ones with um, attachments, you should Mm. probably um, just – either delete right away if you're certain or if you're not certain, maybe go get your IT person and have them come to your system and take a look. Well, I know uh, for our listeners that this is not uh, a topic that is particularly uh, directly connected to the virus, but there's been just such an expansion in terms of what we're hearing as far as scams going on out there that we wanted to get this out to you so that you could protect yourself during this time. We're having enough problem fighting a biological virus. We don't need to be fighting cyber viruses at the same time. So I I want to thank you, Brian, for being with us. And Chris, as always, appreciate it. And to all our listeners, we'll be back tomorrow. Have a special surprise for you tomorrow as well. Thanks for joining us.